Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm a consultant with Troubling the Waters Congregational Consulting and the co-host of this here Faith to Go podcast. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, the Director of Formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And David. What? We are friends and family. <laughs> I just... I just had that moment while we were like doing the introduction to the podcast. I was like, me, you, and Greg, we are our friends and family. This is so true. <laughs> is this a, are you trying to do a non sequitur like Jesus is doing? <laughs> Maybe. Is that where We haven't read from? the gospel yet, yeah. so this is foreshadowing. Okay, but would you, would you expound for the people what exactly you are talking about? <laughs> Well, it's, you know, the Faith to Go podcast is so that people can talk about the gospel oh, with their I friends see. and, and with their families. I see. And, and I'm we're just talking about the gospel with our and friends. And we are friends and, and family. family. Yes. I see. And the listeners are our podcast family, too. That's true. Mm-hmm. So true. Welcome to this uh, gospel discussion for October 29th, this upcoming Sunday, proper 25 in year A. That's the revised common lectionary year, everybody. It's not just the Episcopalians. It's all the people that use the revised common lectionary, which is a lot of traditions. And we're so thankful that you are joining us for this uh, gospel discussion. David, as it is us today for this episode, I am wondering if you could share with the listeners Mm -hmm. a place where you've seen God in the last week, week and a half, and in David. Mm -hmm. It can be a consolation or a desolation. That's good, because all I've got is desolations. (laughs) That's not true. There are some, there's obviously a mix of consolations and desolations. Because like literally the only thing I can think of is how hard it was to get out of the the house this morning. Mm -hmm. That was a real desolation. It's such a challenge because our our oldest son, George, is five years old and he's in kindergarten. And, you know, the transition from like preschool to kindergarten is enormous because it like everything becomes so structured so fast. And we used to be able to drop him off in preschool anytime after like 730 in the morning and before whenever. Like it doesn't matter when you get there. But like we have to be, we have to have him there, like in his line to go into his class at seven fifty a.m., which to me is early. I don't think it's early to you because you wake up at like three thirty in the morning every day. Correct. But to me, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's early. <laughs> and the thing is, the the hard thing is that it's early for him, you know. And so like I'm, we're going into his room at six forty-five to wake him out of a deep sleep. <laughs> to go to school and he's five years old, you know? So it's like, there's something that is frustrating to me about the fact that we even have to do that in the first place. He's frustrated that he has to do it at all in the second place. And then like, just to try to get the momentum to like get out the door after that, even though we have 45 minutes to do it, is like, it feels so hard. Mm -hmm. And like some days are okay. A lot of days are really hard. And there's like one or two days so far that have been great. <laughs> you know, It is just such a desolation. It is so hard to feel God's presence. It's such a small thing, but it feels so like frustrating and like hopeless and exhausting. Where like Mary Lynn and I get back from walking him to school. We come back. It's like 8, 10. And that's pretty much all the energy I have for the day has been used up in the first 
hour and 40 minutes of the day because it was just like everything is a struggle. Getting people to eat any food, getting my children to eat food, getting them to put the clothes on, getting them out the door, getting them to share the random Frankenstein pillow that we got at the Goodwill the other day. It's like we have to have two of every single thing because if we have one of it, there's going to be a fight about who's going to have it. Mm-hmm. And just, just like just navigating being a parent is just so exhausting. And I just love my children so much and they exhaust me to no end. And it's just so hard because like I get to the end of every day and I'm like, was I a good parent today? <laughs> I don't even know. I like felt like I was in survival mode for 24 hours. And it's like, I don't know how else it can be. And I also know that that's not always true. Like we have wonderful, beautiful moments and I connect with them and I love them and I'm around a lot. You know, I'm like the, the house spouse. I love that role. And it's also just like so exhausting, you know? And so it just, it's hard to feel God's presence in those moments because it's so much like questioning of myself. Like, mm. am, am I just doing this wrong? Mm. Like, is it, is it really as hard or am I making it hard or is it just hard to have a five-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I think it's hard to have a five-and-a-half and a two-year-old. Just, Correct. Just, I think so. Yes. I think the consolation in it is that I experience that moment of like other parents sharing that it's also hard, and that makes it feel hopeful. <laughs> you yes. know? Like if everybody is frustrated and tired and they're all doing their best, maybe it's not that I didn't do a good job today. It's just a, It's just a hard season of life. And like a big change. And so we're all just working through that together. So in these big transitions, it's just like such a desolation. It's been like a few months, but it's really hard. It's been a really Mm -hmm. hard transition. And Georgie like is doing overall so good. But just those morning, that 45 minutes in the morning after we wake up is like, man, just so frustrating and hard. So, Well, and I think that there's something so beautiful in the vulnerability of that, because like it can feel isolating. Parenting oh, yeah. in general is mm-hmm. isolating mm-hmm. and filled with shame mm-hmm. <laughs> that we put on ourselves. Self-imposed. Yes. I know. And I know. But also like there is a perceived shame from other people, whether mm-hmm. it is real or not real, but it, it does feel sometimes as though like the world is shaming you when you have young children yeah. um, and setting you up to be shamed, mm-hmm. that it's not as lonely if we can all just name the fact that it's hard sometimes. And, yeah. and that can sometimes feel like whining, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just truth telling. Mm-hmm. And, and the gospel calls us to that, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, in case you were wondering where God was right. in it. That that vulnerability and that sharing of lived experiences creates space for people to be their real and true selves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes our real and true selves are messy. And sometimes days don't go well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't feel like God is present. Mm -hmm. And, oh my goodness, do I feel seen when you talk. Yeah. And the internal voice is the the most critical Mm -hmm. of all the voices in the world. Like... And it's especially, it's like so complicated and dynamic because it's so wrapped up in my own experience of my father, my own experience of my parents, my own frustrations and challenges with my dad, like not wanting to do so many of the things he did and being so scared that I'm gonna, because it's just so easy to do that, you know, just like generational trauma just keeps, keeps, keeps going. It's like the easiest thing to just slip into. It's like the default. 
Mm-hmm. And so it also takes so much energy to do something different. And I think that's hard as well. It's hard to have perspective in it, mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I just want to say thank you for sharing your God sighting. You're welcome. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Thank you for forcing me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I came up with the segment like six years ago, so it was really my fault. Anyway, well, we would always love to hear from you all about any of your God sightings or not sightings, any consolations or desolations from your week. Uh, we'd also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can email us, faith2goedsd.org. You can contact us uh, through Instagram at faith2go, direct message, tag us, follow us. You can find all those uh, links to get in contact with us in the description for the episode. So scroll on down, click those links, and let us know what's going on. We're now going to get to the reading for this upcoming Sunday, October 29th. Again, proper 25 in year A. Uh, Charlotte's going to read... The gospel, I'll have a little bit of context, and then we'll each have a point. The reading is Matthew 22, verses 34 to 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. All right, wow. (laughs) Charlotte throwing some subtle shade at lawyers out there. I could not. We apologize on behalf of the podcast. No, let me tell you the backstory, David. Ann Bridgers, who was the rector at Christchurch Coronado for a while Uh and an awesome human being. Her husband, Dixon, also an awesome human being, was a lawyer. Uh And so whenever she read this section, she always read it with that tone. (laughs) (laughs) And looked at Dixon. (laughs) I see. I see. It's a callback. Christchurch Coronado lore. It's a moment of delight for me. Yes. All we've done is since last week is skip one section. Uh, an interaction that Jesus has with some Sadducees. Jesus is really hitting all the groups yes. in his time in Jerusalem. He's talking to chief priests. He's talking to elders. He's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to Sadducees. He's talking to disciples of Pharisees. He's talking to Herodians. Everybody. Everybody's getting their shot in at Jesus. And he is deflecting, pushing back. Look at that. I did some hand motions there. You missed it, but you could probably tell. I didn't miss from it, my... though. No, you didn't. We're coming to the end of Jesus's debate section <laughs> of, <laughs> of the gospel because he's going to transition into chapter 23 into a bunch of woes and woe to the Pharisees and woe to you and Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city and that kills the prophets and things like that. So that's going to be the next part. And then... It's gonna. It feels like we're like imminently close to Jesus's arrest, but there's still a bunch of stuff that happens because then there's a bunch of parables and stuff and more teaching things. So we're still a few chapters away from Jesus's ultimate arrest, though the the kind of seeds of that have been sown here in these last few weeks in this chapter, where the Sadducees and the Pharisees decide 
we got to get rid of this guy. Like this was the last straw, this whole thing in the temple and the pushing against us and questioning our power and things like that. So <clears throat> that's where we are. The end of chapter 22, the end of this section, which you can tell because it says, and they didn't ask him any more questions after that. Jesus drops the mic and walks away. Every parent's goal. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Never happens in real life. <laughs> I guess you just have to ask the most random esoteric question of all time, and then they'll stop Maybe. asking you things. Anyway, that's where we are. And uh, Charlotte has the first point. I do. I do. And I was thinking about Jesus's answer to the Pharisees in their question at the beginning, which is the part where he says to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And we know that as the greatest commandment, followed second by love your neighbor as yourself. And I was thinking about this because like, as you and I were talking, David, as we were prepping the podcast today, my heart's heavy. My heart is heavy and it feels impossible sometimes to navigate this world in a way that shows our love for each other. Mm -hmm. That's a desolation. It's just something that I've been wrestling with a lot. And I was thinking about this greatest commandment and that call to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind and all of our soul and what that looks like. And naming that in these moments of trying to do that, that what we also open ourselves up to is God's love for us. And God always loves us, right? Like it, it is not a question of being worthy of it or earning it or inviting it. God always loves us. The invitation that I hear in this is that when we work towards loving God, that we allow God's love to wash over us. And so that means into those spots that are feeling empty, where we feel not good enough. And it also means allowing God's love to wash over the parts that feel broken, and the parts that feel as though we are angry, we are frustrated, we are sad, we are all of those words that we are disgruntled, hearkening back to a couple of weeks ago. Um, but disgruntled in this instance, to me, it feels like too mild of a word, that there are parts of us that ache. They ache with anger and frustration and the drama. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so tired of the drama. And like just that invitation of trying to love God through all of our brokenness, all of our frustration, and that naming that when we are actively trying to do this, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our soul, that then we are inviting God's love to coat those pieces of us, that we are allowing maybe some of the edges to be softened and not softened in a way that doesn't call us to action because then we get immediately after this, this second statement, which is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And sometimes that is really hard. And sometimes our neighbors are the most frustrating people in the world and we don't think we have it within us. But I think that where I'm landing in all of that is again, just that reminder of that I have to try and that maybe I'm better equipped to do it when I have allowed God's love to coat those areas of me. And I don't know that that's helpful because the world feels desolate right now. Like when you were talking about your desolations when in your God sighting earlier, I'm like, everywhere I turn, 
feels filled with desolation these days and that the consolations that I take, I have to remind myself to notice them. It is, you know, in the companionship of friends and family. Um, It is in the simple pleasures that we derive. Although there is a side story to be told about what happened to my garden today. Tomato horned worms. I'm just telling you. Oh, the caterpillars? Yes. With the horns on them? Yes. Those things are crazy. I know. Yeah. But in the course of the last two days, six of them took out my San Marzano tomato plant, which had 30 tomatoes on it. Unbelievable. And then I thought I had rid myself mm-hmm. of the pestilence. Yep. And they, <laughs> this morning... And then God sent locusts. <laughs> it does feel that way. Yeah, no, yeah. I do not think these are of God. I was not smited in this. This was not a plague placed upon me. Took out my eggplant and my peppers. It sounds like a... Honestly, it sounds like a plague. I mean, I didn't... Just listening to what you're saying, it sounds like a place. So, but just naming that, like this place where I look for my consolation, right? Yeah. Like my time in my yeah, garden right. in the morning, that mm-hmm. even that was filled with desolation right. today. Right. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, woe is me. Mm-hmm. Um, but just naming the fact that sometimes when the world is hard, that it is hard to find those consolations. It is hard to find the space to look beyond our own pain and suffering into the needs of the world, especially when the needs of the world are loud, mm-hmm. um, which right now they are for sure. But maybe that what the invitation in all of this is, is that when we try, when we try to love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, that that is the opening mm-hmm. that allows us to be filled with God's love too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So nice. My point is about the second part of the reading. I am thinking about this idea of like, this is a weird way to end this section to me. Because Jesus has been talking about so many things that are like, there's just some sort of clarity at least about how they connect to life. (laughs) You know, how they like have some sort of resonance in this kind of universal way. And then we end this section with this weird esoteric thing to me, this very specific thing to me about this psalm. About, because Jesus is quoting Psalm 110. Just so there's just one verse of this psalm Jesus is pulling out out of nowhere. They weren't talking about the Psalms. They weren't talking about David. They weren't talking about the Messiah. Jesus was talking about love and like these big ideas, these big universal ideas of loving one another and loving your neighbor. And then we like zero down into this weird one verse of <laughs> Hebrew scripture. And it's like, okay, so yeah, you, you got us, Jesus, like on this technicality thing, you know? And so, I don't know, it's just such a weird place to, to end this, this whole section to me. But then I'm thinking about that idea of, like, Jesus' movement from this big general idea, this big universal idea about love, down to this one little idea about the messiahship and sonship of David or whatever. And I'm thinking, like, what is he trying to say here? How, does the, how do these things connect? He's essentially saying, you've decided that the messiah, like this this anointed one is a person that's going to come from this very specific line of Kings, right? That we have a genealogy tracing down to a person that we can trace back to David. And we can tell that this is even important to the gospel writers because they include David in the lineage of, of Jesus, right? So it's important that Jesus is the son of David. At the same time, Jesus is like, you've created a scenario where that's so particular that it has to be this one person from this one lineage, this one group of people. But that we're talking about things that are like bigger and more universal. So it's almost that like by drilling down this one very particular thing, he's pushing us 
pass the particularity to a more universal idea. Because he's saying, instead of just thinking about it as like a person in this lineage of, of humans, the Messiah is the son, not of David, of a king, but the son of God, mm-hmm. right? And that like, just by pushing on that idea, Jesus is like, open your mind to the possibility of things beyond your small, particular way of thinking. Like, there's so much, like, I, I almost wonder, like, if this, if they stop asking him questions because they're just, like, their minds are blown by this idea, <laughs> you know? Like, they've based so much of their concepts of, like, their own place in the world and their ideas of of salvation and their expectations for the future on this idea that Jesus is then going in and, like, blowing up, you know? And I, that's, that happens to us, I think, sometimes at least, but, like, Someone points out an idea or we have what we might call an aha moment, but this is like a really big aha moment. This is like the mind blowing emoji, you know, where like they just can't, they're they're like brains short circuit because they can't compute this idea that like Jesus is, is like taking, is doing like a whole paradigm shift for them where he's asking them to contemplate the idea that God's love expands to all people instead of just them. <laughs> that is a really hard, mm-hmm. right? That's a really hard idea for the people in power to cope with because it means that you've got to make decisions. I'm like a broken record. You've got to make decisions based on loving people rather than on the salvation of your self and your little group of people, you know? And back to your point then, it's like, if we are making decisions based on loving people, the world could really look different than if we get bogged down in the particularity of what we think the world is supposed to be. And like to be able to be open to new possibilities rather than holding on so tightly to our expectations of how things are supposed to be, holding on so tightly to how, we, how we've been told to think and being open to wonder. And Jesus is so good about that because he's always inviting people to wonder and curiosity, you know? And so part of loving God and loving one another is this openness to wonder, the openness to have our minds changed, the openness to have our, our the top of our heads blown off like a little volcano. And like new ideas can happen then. New ways of being can emerge if we can move beyond our small sense of self our small sense of superiority, our small sense of personal salvation to something more communal and universal and bigger than us. That can include a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different places, from a whole bunch of different walks of life and different ways of thinking, and that they can all be included in this, in this world instead of everyone having to be exactly the same or just being for one group of people over another. And everyone, every group in the history of the world has had this issue you know, is that we believe it's really particularly about us. It's about our country. It's about our little tribe of people. It's about our friends. It's about our family. It's about our religious tradition. It's about our church or diocese or, you know, whatever. But it's so much more than that. That's what Jesus is asking is like to help everyone realize that God is bigger than their small idea of God. And so they've had this very small idea of God. And so like by drilling down into this one very small verse with this leads to this big idea, this big change. And so I think it's also about like the power of our scriptures and our traditions that like, if we can just like 
hold up this, this one thing and look at it from a slightly different angle, then things can change in us, you know, like we can have a new way of thinking about the world. So, so David, know. as you were talking about that, though, I realized something is that right here at the end, we get nor from that day did anyone dare ask him any more questions. And I've often heard that with like a gotcha Mm-hmm. type of way, right? Mm-hmm. Like that they didn't dare to ask him any more questions. But I'm wondering, based on your point, if like this was so mind blowing, what would it have looked like if they had dared, as in they had been brave enough yeah, to, to ask asking. the next right. question? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's why he goes right into woes, uh-huh. you know, because he wanted to keep the conversation going. Yeah. You know, and like, it's, that's a great point because then we have to ask ourselves, how are we going to respond in those mind-blown moments? Right. Are we going to stop and go away and plot to kill that person, you know, in big <laughs> and small ways? That. Yes, please don't do that. But at least like in metaphorically then be shut down to further conversation, to decide that that person is the enemy. Yeah. And then we put our, mind, our brain back together in exactly the same way it was before. Or are we willing to, are we brave enough, like you said, do we dare? To continue to to let the to thread the unravel, yeah. yeah, because it needs to. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the world is a desolation. It feels like because it's so bound up in these kind of like personal ideas of whatever of ideologies and and ways that that are so destructive, you know. But it's because we have we've lost the sense of of the of universal wellness, you know, that it is possible for everyone to to love and to exist and to thrive and to be together. And it's okay to be different and to have different ways of being, you know, and to share things. And it's just like so hard to make decisions with those things in mind. But that's what Jesus is always calling us to do. That's right. To recap our points, point number one was Charlotte's about loving God and loving our neighbor and, you know, how things could be different in the world if we were really living into that call and the challenge of that call. And then mine was the second one, thinking about this weird ending to this section, and Jesus's invitation to think, to broaden our ideas, to broaden our understanding, to think beyond just our small ideas of of salvation, you know, of chosenness, of messiahship, to something bigger than ourselves. So having heard those two points, we'd love to hear what your point would have been on, on the episode this week. Uh, you can email us or you can get uh, in touch with us on Instagram. We'd also love to hear any of your questions or comments or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, any of your God sightings, anything about your ministry context you'd like to share, anything you're excited about. We'd love to hear from you. We will be back next week to talk about the gospel for the first Sunday in November. That'll be proper 26. And then we're going to be like, we're going to have like three more or something after that. So we're getting down to it. Until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, Goodbye, everybody. everybody. We did it.